This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. This is the Scummy Mummies podcast. Hello there. Welcome to the Scummy Mummies podcast. I am, as always, Ellie Gibson. And I'm Helen Thorne. Yes, you are. Yep. Who have we got for our marvellous guest today, Helen Thorne? We've got Melissa Thompson, a.k.a. Foulmouth's Food. Yay! Yay! That's, that, you look quite sincere when you did that, Melissa. Oh, no, thank you very much. She's, she's happy to be here. I'm happy to be in her house. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. What have we just eaten, Thorne? <sighs> we have eaten the most sumptuous, moistest chicken ever known to anybody with beautiful rice and cucumber but oh. Melissa tell us about the dish that we just hoofed in <laughs> hoovered up Heinanese, um, uh chicken and rice um, mm. uh, so poached chicken with rice cooked in its stock um, <sighs> yeah, oh. a, bit of a bit of sambal on the side oh my god oh. from sambal shock Oh. You know, it's one of those things where do you have a, have a really good, you know, time in the bedroom and like you find you you know you're going to find yourself thinking about it at four in the afternoon later. <laughs> yeah. I feel like it's going to be like that, isn't it? Yeah, you just oh yeah, because like after I've had like really good sex, like the next day you just do occasionally you go ah, oh, you know, yeah. you know how you do that. This is what I'm going to do tomorrow after this food. I'm just going to go yes. Do you, do, you know, <laughs> do you know what I'd enjoy even more? What if you thought about it during sex? Oh! You definitely tried to do that. Oh, that made me really happy. Quite possibly, it was it was the plumpest breast I've ever touched, including my own. Um, but maybe, yeah, because okay. Let me ask you this question: uh, Since you're a food person, mm-hmm. so I I like cooking. I'm really into it, and I do a lot of cooking. And one of my favourite things is to cook a really nice meal, spend quite a long time in it, sit down to eat it, and then while I'm eating it read another cookbook about what I'm going to cook like the next day now my husband says this is like watching pornography while having sex <laughs> what, what's your take oh I've never heard of that before you've never done I that have, no I haven't um Helen, you just sound greedy. <laughs> it's the same way that I couldn't eat. I couldn't eat. I couldn't read a cookbook. Sorry, if I was if I was sated, I, I don't think. Really? I, yeah. Yeah, because like you know, I, I like to be kind of like immediately after a meal. I can eat a cookbook. I can. Eat, I can like if I'm just fine and just averagely full. I can read a cookbook. Yeah. Mm. I don't know to eat it. Isn't it a distraction? 
Well, you know, it's either that or talk to my husband, isn't it, really? So, <laughs> uh, no, no, I don't, yeah, I don't do it all the time. I know what you mean. I think there's an argument that, yeah, you should be mindful, right? You should just be mindful in, in the, the moment. moment. Yeah. Um, but I, I really enjoy eating food and I really enjoy reading about food. So combining those two things, I mean, it's like having one in both ends, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't know. <laughs> Neither would I, to be honest. Uh, we are obviously, Melissa, you're a food person, but let's. can you introduce yourself? Because some people may not know you, and now they will. <laughs> you could have just said, can you, could have just said, can you introduce, you don't have to remind her that, that, I'm that she's hugely, hugely famous. Like you could have just left it at, can you introduce yourself? Because in case you don't know, Melissa, um, you're not quite as famous as Nigella. I don't know if you knew that. Let me inform you of that. And now please, Melissa, introduce yourself for the many people who have no fucking clue who you are or what you're on about. Thank you. So sorry, and thank you for cooking for a nice <laughs> So, I mean, I like... Nigeria and I have got quite a lot in common. Um, we both like eating. And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that's, that's kind of it. I, I, I basically, um, I... I write recipes and I cook a lot and um, and I do like I share a lot of it on social media and um, I write I used to be a journalist and then um, but now I kind of write about food stuff and mm. what were you writing about before what was the uh... like general features so like a lot of right. interviews basically yeah. oh god like she's actually experienced in interviewing Ellie oh no oh no we've well, been exposed you fucked it up already <laughs> 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 Did you used to say, like, when you were inter- interviewing, like, a celebrity, like, I don't know, Robert De Niro, would you say, say, Robert De Niro, obviously you're not completely famous all over the world, can you please introduce yourself? You're not Al Pacino, but you're Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> What's your Instagram handle? Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so how long have you been doing food as, like, a, a job? Um, so, back in the day, I used to write about food when I was on a local paper, and then... Um, I came up here, like, and I think I started a supper club in 2014, um, and so that was like transforming, forming my um, living room into um, a dining room. My dining room, and my living room into like a yeah, little restaurant. Yeah, it was all the rage. I remember yeah. Mm. Back, yeah. back in, back in how, the day. How was that? Was it? I always think, would it be weird though having strangers in your house? Yeah, it was really weird, but it was fun, and um, and and because it was only ever like once a month, I never got used to it, and mm. and so it'd be like a bit of a thrill, really, I guess, and. Um, you know, it was all waiting for the doorbell to go for the first time, and you'd be like really nervous. This is like come dine with say, me. Yeah. <laughs> Ding dong! <laughs> yeah, yeah. Here comes Paul. Except there's no one filming it, so there's no evidence if they murder you. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I couldn't do it. Yeah. Well, you don't see them bitching in the toilets, going, "No, that wasn't cooked." Well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then from that, Instagram and, and yeah, so I'd, I'd always use it as a tool for like free advertising, right, to kind of show show what I was doing. But I'd always shout about other people's food as well, and I was still doing my journalism job at the time. And then I left that in 2015, um, and then I just went straight into doing like full-on um, pop-ups and residencies, so taking over the kitchens of, um, I don't know, like a pub or a cafe, something like that. Mm. Yeah, and that was it, really. Um, and then I got pregnant, so then I had to stop. And yeah, like yeah. the f- first three months of being pregnant were like quite intense, so I just felt sick all the time. As I was petting food up and passing it over the pass, I'd be like trying not to vomit um, with the sort of smell of certain things. Like the pork belly really got me, um, mm. and that's not a great PR. Like when you're sort of yeah, yeah. It's like, <laughs> enjoy your food. <laughs> <laughs> Smells gross. Get away from me. Yeah. <laughs> like when I was a games journalist and I was pregnant, oh, I'd love to have a go on your virtual reality. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's tough. It's tough. Oh god. <laughs> So yeah, that was, that was going to be my next question. Tell us about your family, which isn't actually a question. Question, it is a statement. 
again, we're, we're not cut out. You should just no. do this for yourself. Punctuation. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, takeover. Yes. Do a takeover at our podcast and make it better. So I, um, like my partner is Kate, um, and we got civilly partnered just before lockdown. Ah. Um, and I went on a job recently, and um, two people um, in this group had had their weddings cancelled um, mm. because of lockdown and. What I learned is that when someone tells you that, it's not a good idea to tell them that you managed to sneak your own <laughs> civil partnership in just before lockdown because they won't talk to you and then they'll just turn around and yeah. um, pretend you're not there. Oh, wow. So that, was that was a learning day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I've grown as a person. Um, and, sorry, um, those guys. <laughs> I'm really sorry. So and you quite... went for civil partnership rather than a marriage? Yes, because... Um, I asked Kate to marry me quite a few times um, over the course of our relationship and she all said no and then I think probably just that frustration she was like if they ever make civil partnership um, like equal and so straight people can do it then let's do that and now we've got a daughter it made sense and so then as soon as they said that straight people can get civil partnered I was like well let's do it Mm. Um, and then I organised it which is unlike me to organise anything and then we did it and it was pretty nice yeah oh my neighbour was the first person to be civil partnered on uh, New Year's Day oh lovely so Claire and Chris who live around the corner yeah they they were the first ones and they they're in their 50s and they've been together for over 30 years and they wanted to get it done and yeah so there we are yeah amazing just get it done like Brexit <laughs> in 30 years just get it done <laughs> tick done like it. Oh, and then yeah. we've got a daughter who is two and a half and you you had Ada you were yes with, obviously because you were pregnant um, and how was that experience for you it was good apart from the spewing into the pork belly yeah that sounds like a highlight it was good yeah Yeah. I mean it was it was fine I mean the whole system is is set up quite heteronormatively Um, Mm. like you go to I went booking an appointment with a midwife I remember sitting there and she was going down and she was clicking like she wasn't that kind of like good with computers anyway and like, you know when you want to just take over and go like let me just let me do it I'll, 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 do it. it'll be quicker and, and after that appointment Kate said that she's never going to come to any appointment with me ever again because it was like an hour of her life that she's not going to get and back Kate's do- and Kate's a doctor as well so yeah. that must have been a bit like mm-hmm. <laughs> well no, she's just generally impatient oh, okay. like, yeah so I mean she can be a mechanic and be like as impatient she's right. like, no, I haven't got time for this like it's, it's bullshit um, and um, and she was clicking through, and she was like, "So, um, so the father, um, uh. and, and 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 we were like, oh, um, yeah, like we're sort of, yeah, obviously same sex relationship. So there's a donor, but there isn't a father. And then she'd be like, oh yeah, but it says it says father, and it's like, computer says oh, no, yeah, the computer says you're not a lesbian. How can that be? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Sorry, that's, that's not allowed. Uh, yeah, and it's and it's this kind of um, you know, and but everyone was lovely and. Mm. Um, and, and some of the reactions um, from people were quite funny. I was talking about, um, to my mate about this. So her husband, well, her now ex-husband, um, his first reaction, which kind of says a lot about him, was when she said, oh, Melissa's expecting, or Kate and Melissa were expecting, he was like, oh, my God, did Melissa have an affair? <laughs> and she just went and got some cock down the road. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She went onto Tinder, as you all do. And just... Looking for sperm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Pop on yeah. Amazon Prime. I, did, I just sort of sat outside with my legs open. <laughs> Like yeah, I'll tell you what, round here, probably get away with it. Uh, oh my god, yeah. that's really full on. And, yeah. and and people extra nosy when when you say I'm pregnant and all that sort of. Oh stuff. yeah, people want to know about all the kind of mechanics mm. and um, and it's difficult for me because I'm kind of probably like a bit of an oversharer and yeah. I'll kind of go oh blah 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 and then I'm like hang on like I don't know anything about how your child was conceived like I don't want to know do you yeah. know what I mean mm. um, but people kind of really want to know about yeah like how it how it worked and and um, 
and, and they kind of ask all these questions, you know, and, and, it's, and, and people try to be really careful around their language. But actually, sometimes I sort of be like, I just, I just, just don't ask me that. You no. Know, kind of, it's, it's just... Um, no, they got goddamn business. Yeah, really. yeah, yeah. It's just like you know, she's here. She's great. Um, and if I wanted to share that with you, then I would, I would um, tell you about it. You know, like tell me about the night, like that. Your you got children drunk. Were, yeah. you know, like, <laughs> what position were you in? Like, uh, yeah. I don't need to know that sort of stuff. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. So fuck off. Is the, oh, yeah, is yeah. And I need to learn yeah. to say to. I need to learn to sort of say a bit more, kind of like fuck off. Yeah. yeah. So this is a good general advice for listeners who've they've got friends who are lesbians. Don't, you don't need to ask them about all the conception details. Mm. Just go congratulations. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> well, this is it as well. And like, I mean, it's difficult because on another side, like on another hand, um, I or on the other hand, not on another hand, like I, I as same sex, um, same sex couple, there's like an assumption that it was. IVF, which is which is true in our case, um, and I and I quite like to talk about IVF because a lot of straight people, um, I think, like maybe it comes with a bit more pressure, like to talk about it, you know, mm. and um, and so I think I'm in a bit of a privileged position to be able to talk about IVF and not have not have that kind of stuff to. So on one hand, but I, I guess it's like I want to be in charge of that conversation. I don't want to be bombarded with questions because actually. Mm. Like fucking, a lot of people are having IVF, you know, and I think a lot of people will know people who are having IVF but don't know about it, mm. and um, and that's fine. Like people don't need to, but at the same time, it'd be nice if people did talk about it more because then there'd be less stigma. But obviously, people need to be in charge of that conversation and not have questions thrust at you know thrust at them. So at the risk of thrusting a question at you, I'm now <laughs> thrust trying away, to do thrust this away, thrust in away. a, a delicate way. But I guess safe position. Yeah. <laughs> well, I guess based on that, my question would be. I mean, if you were talking to somebody who's thinking of going through it or is going through it now, what do you kind of know now, having gone through the process, that you you wish you'd known at the beginning that maybe people don't talk about or whatever? Um, Good question, Uh, I'm actually a very sensitive and excellent, (laughs) excellent journalist. I don't know if you've noticed. And I am not a journalist. (laughs) And I think we've all noticed that. Um, I think um, just don't get your hopes up and um like you could be in it for the long haul and i think i think well, probably the, the best bit of advice is at the beginning and this this can change but if you're doing it with someone else that you're doing it with your partner and obviously there are many ways to do it um it's like it's like set out at the beginning how far you're prepared to go how many rounds and how like financially how many rounds you can afford to do because it is like it can be quite grueling mm-hmm. and um and it catches you out, like in, in 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 ways that you don't necessarily think it will. Like we've had it where you know I've I've come on my period, so obviously I'm not pregnant after a cycle, and that's been a bit sad. Um, but and and I've I've miscarried as well, and in quite like you know it's, it's like in in quite sort of shit circumstances. Uh, not that there's ever a good circumstance in which to miscarry, and and actually looking back, like that's still not bad. But it's like it's getting a text from someone out of the blue who bless them. It's not that it's not their fault. Mm. Who will be like, oh, um, I remember like one of my partner's friends, um, one of Kate's friends, texted me having found out that um, a cycle hadn't worked, and she'd been going through IVF as well. And she was like, I'm really sorry to hear it, and that really caught me like for some reason and um and, and that that was like there's almost the straw that sort of broke the camel's back and um and I, I got quite upset about that and um so just like just be prepared that you know it might not work first time it might take several goes and just have a very like a conversation which you can like you know don't you don't have to stick to it but just work out how far you're, you're prepared to go financially mm. emotionally um and yeah sort of psychologically because it can take a massive toll Mm. God, that's not actual wisdom, Dawn. We've ac- oh accidentally done some journalism now. Oh, God. <laughs> We're not just here for the chicken, Ellie. Yeah, no. <laughs> no. <that> we've got. <laughs> Sometimes you get more than you bargain for, don't you? <laughs> 
<laughs> Which came first, the chicken or Melissa's eggs? <laughs> Definitely the chicken. <laughs> My eggs yeah. gone. Was becoming a mum one of those catalysts where you're going, I need to focus on what I really want to do? Like, was was it no it was, it was almost the opposite because I because I like food had always been my, well, it hadn't always been my thing but yeah. that was my focus and then when I had Ada um, like I, I ended up doing social media sort of like management and consultancy for businesses because that's what I was doing anyway that's what I knew I knew the hospitality industry and so that was it so it was just born out of necessity like that period mm. of my of my life and that only stopped in lockdown really wow because um, obviously there were like, all hospitality businesses shut so they yeah didn't, they didn't really need social media it was all virtual or at home or delivered or whatever mm. and, but obviously I mean at the beginning it was nothing it was mm. like yeah, that took a while to get that set up I know because we we got Ellie's um, friends with uh, Dan who's from a local restaurant called The Orchard I saw this yeah, yeah. and he just sent us like a meat pack oh, oh, like a barbecue pack so you know and it was time where the restaurant was starting to get open and things like that but it was the most glorious thing that you got all the beautiful meat and ingredients and you made this sort of restaurant quality food Lovely. at home which was delicious oh, it was a good time it was a good time but it was even better when I went to the orchard and uh, so he um, I've known Dan I went to sixth form college with him so okay. quite a long time and um, he uh, made me my own wanky menu with uh, he printed out and everything a menu and he knows my husband's allergic to scallops so I never get to eat them so he made like this amazing scallop thing just for me and I was just like this is the best day of my life it was a good time I love the orchard their Sunday roast is very very good yeah it's it's wicked let's all go there now yeah sod this yeah Yeah, exactly right just eat yeah so how how was lockdown for you generally then? Because Kate's a doctor, yes. isn't she? So was she working yes. through the thing? Yeah, oh, yeah. Boy. So she was she was quite um, busy and just um, a bit busy. Just you know, yeah. Like I mean, it was because so she works in hematology. So okay. um, so she wasn't kind of. Um, she was uh, what, what do they call it front line so she was right. front line um, but every day she'd um, like hopefully get like home in time to see to see her daughter um, it wasn't always the case but then she'd have to like she couldn't even hold her anyway because she'd, mm. she'd strip at the front door put all her clothes in the washing machine go and shower and so this happened for like a long time and so she couldn't really sort of see um, yeah like see Ada um, mm. so it was like it was it was tough and and I, th- I think it was like everyone was kind of moaning about different things weren't they and I think I don't know for me it felt like there was a, a collective realisation that actually it's shit for a lot of people in lots of different ways and some people have it much much worse than like you know than I did because mm. um, I remember th- feeling a bit a bit annoyed about people who were locked down with their partners and I was like and, and I, you know then it's like actually if I had to be like if we both were both working and locked down together then that would be shit in its own way like yeah. you know um, so at least I, I had no work and I could just like take you know take our daughter out and um, yeah it was like a routine every morning go out tire her out get her down to nap and then I got back into cooking which I hadn't really mm. been doing for a long time mm. um and, and I loved it and like had loads of like projects and um, it was amazing like all the cliche stuff like sourdough and, um, and banana bread banana bread absolutely <laughs> yes. um, and sauerkraut and then um, yeah it was really therapeutic I mm. got obsessed with trying to recreate the dishoom black lentils oh they're so good you do it didn't really succeed no. the, the dishoom cookbook uh, I, I think I just nicked the recipe off the internet okay. to be honest <laughs> <laughs> but, um, can I just say um, I was got really sick during lockdown I may or may not I think I had corona but Melissa came round you came round with noodles and made me like doorstep soup noodles which was the most amazing thing it was just what I needed and I was really 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 poorly what, what, what was it that you brought I brought um, it was a pot noodle chicken and mushrooms it was, it was curry ramen and yeah. um and then um, I think it was like a black bean stew with a bit of lamb in it. Yeah, um, it was amazing. But um, yeah. Ellie also brought some really nice food. Yeah, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> I 
a whole fucking lasagna. <laughs> <laughs> and I bought you a lamb biryani with some failed black de rice. <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? You're both great What's that is uh, biryani like? Really good. Is it was it? Oh, really, kind it was of so, so beautiful. Oh, and the lentils were just like de They were really creamy and tasty. Oh. and wow. They just didn't have that smoky... One day, that. Ellie, you'll conquer it. I'm gonna, I'll tell you what, I've got leftover ingredients, Miss. I'll bring, around, bring them around here and you can do it properly. <laughs> and then I shall take it away. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's, that's led on quite nicely now to me doing, like, getting into like proper like recipe writing and stuff, which is quite nice. So um, BBC Good Food magazine, I'll have some recipes in their Christmas edition. Um, yeah. Can, 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 you, can you announce to the... Um, listeners, that you are now a BBC food writer. You're a, a columnist. I'm a columnist. You're yes. a columnist yeah. for the BBC. Yeah, yeah. So Which that's is really um, exciting. That's exciting. So how do you write a recipe? Do you have the idea first, then do you test it out, or do you just, or do you just make it up? Put down Having the notebook in the kitchen because because uh, I think um, that there's this sort of like you know like there's obviously lots, there's lots of dis- discussions right on the back of like George Floyd and Black Lives Matter and representation in 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 sort of mainstream media and our food publications in this country um, about how sort of food um, from different cultures translates into into the written form because you know a lot of it and, and this is how I cook like when I was doing my pop-up I never wrote recipes down because it's just like you just instinctively know so it's quite difficult to capture that and put it on to mm. maybe that's the problem with the Dishoom the Dishoom lentils what, I'm they, just, like, yeah because I'm, I'm she's uh, too white I don't, that's what you're saying yeah. <laughs> that's true though that's what it is uh, <laughs> <laughs> just trying to culturally appropriate <laughs> failing no but, um, no, but as in, in the recipe that you're like you know mm. that, that's just because I think I mean, especially when you're when you're working with spices and stuff like you know like they're going to have different potencies so it's quite hard to say a tablespoon of, of something when that can be very different they specify the brand and that it's a Kashmiri, it's called Deggy chili powder, I think. Like, I bought it, spent, I did it properly, so, Melissa. I, I, was trying, I, was I did to it properly. Oh, you failed. No, I, do, I, I wonder if it's more that, because um, I, as I say, I love cooking, love food, but I'm not, I find it quite difficult not to follow a recipe sl- slavishly because I'm just like, oh, well, they've tested it, like, they know what it is, and they know better than me, so, you know, oh, who am I to question Nigel oh, Slater okay, okay. and the oh, amount okay. of honey he puts on his chicken wings, okay. you know? Yeah. I'm trying, what I've been trying to work on in lockdown, actually, is, is being a bit more creative, feels like a step too far, but at least being a bit more free and being, trust a myself more a bit more and go, oh, this, to actually taste it and go, no, yes. actually, it doesn't need a whole teaspoon of salt or yeah. whatever. So I I'm always times the garlic quantity by four. That's my rule. That's, yeah. um, that's a good. Uh, that's yeah, that's. I always put uh, like clove. No, four cloves. <laughs> yeah, and like yeah. So and you've I've never been bitten by a vampire, so it's working. Uh, <laughs> I'm still here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But I definitely don't have that thing that you obviously have, which is to go, oh, that would be nice with that, and I'll put in about that much of this, and then and then it turns out all right. Yeah, but I think yeah, you probably do. Mm. Of course you would, because it's just. I mean, it's all. It's it's kind of like. I think if you enjoy eating and you're mm-hmm. familiar with the ingredients you're like that, that you've got in your cupboards, then you can create something nice. And it's mm. just having the confidence to just go and do it. I, I think it's really hard to mess something up to the point where it's inedible. Mm. Well, let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I did once make a, a creme brulee with granulated sugar when I was about 24. That's so, a little crunchy. Yeah, it was yeah. like eating sand in egg. <laughs> It was delicious. Oh, oh what, so it hadn't um, dissolved into the... Yeah, yeah, the, so oh, it was okay. just like... Yeah, stuff like that, okay. is what I'm saying okay, to okay. you. Uh, yeah, but that, that, when was that? Sorry? When was that? When I was like 23. Yeah, yeah. and you've made it since? 
No. <laughs> it's it dead to it. Like <laughs> Can you see where I'm, I'm going with this? Yeah, no, when you say it like that. Uh, <laughs> get back in that crippled leg. Yeah. So, so basically, recipe writing, um, um, have, having a... Um, having a, a notebook in the kitchen so that you're making it and then you start off um, and then you kind of build it and as you're building it so it's like an extra teaspoon of this and so you're constantly writing it down because um, it's that thing you know like when generally like I, I think like we try to remember stuff and it's like okay I'm gonna, I'll, I'll remember that and then five minutes later you're nope. like oh shit nope. what was that yeah. so now it's just, like realising that everything has to go like be written down because you will forget it and then it's just really nice to be able to like, at the end of the day sit there and type it all up and just know it's all there in front of you mm. Um, I know everyone always asks uh, food writers this, but I still want to know anyway. What would your last meal be, Melissa? Oh, wow. Whether you cook it yourself or someone else cooks it, uh, you can have as many courses as you like. And, and so, like stomach space isn't an issue. Like it's no, like, just all of it. I could yeah, eat yeah, yeah. Like, forever. Yeah. For starter, I would have. You said scallops. Like I love a scallop. Mm. Um, and then I'd have a really good fried chicken. I'd have um, seafood linguine. Um, I'd have had some really. Good, we went. We went to Broadstairs recently, and um, in Margate, I had some really good mussels. They were so plump. Um, oh yeah, they were great. They like reinvigorated my life. My love for mussels. Um, <laughs> they just reinvigorated your love life. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was always reinvigorated my love muscles. <laughs> <laughs> oh Margate. <laughs> yeah. Um, Probably like a, a nice bit of brisket. Um, oh yeah, like a brisket bun from Smokestack, mm. um, and ice cream for pudding. Um, oh, I love yeah. a bit of ice cream. I fucking love it. I like creme brulee as well. My dad makes a mean creme brulee. Um, yeah. What would you have, Thorn? I don't remember. I can't believe me. I don't think we've ever asked each other this. No. Last meal. Do you, uh, do you know what I had? I went to the Ned the other night, and for starters, we had um, like a tuna tartare with like a really vinegary thing with avocado and rocket, like a salady okay. thing, and that was like the most delicious thing. Yeah. I was gonna say like seafood linguine is one of my most favorite things as well. A good marinara, as we oh, would I say. Oh, like an alavongole. Yes. Oh yes, mm. with your little clams. Mm. That's very good. Um, a really good bit of slow cooked lamb, I reckon. Okay. A smoky slow cooked lamb would be very yeah. good. Yeah. And then for pudding, pav. Got to have okay. a my Aussie pavlova. Mm, nice Lots pav. of cream, chewy in the middle. Yes, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. That, that would be that would be my ideal food. Ellie Gibson. Uh, I think I might quite like a risotto to start, yes. but I'd like to make it myself. <laughs> because not because I make the world's best risotto, uh, but because I find making risotto one of the most soothing comforting activities mm. you can like i'd rather make a risotto and have a bath honestly i just love it um and if i was gonna die and like i'd find that quite comforting i think, I think do it take a nice 40s oh, nice. yeah would yeah. you forget about your imminent death well I'd, I'd, I, I would i would find it i would find as I say, take the edge off i'd be like oh well i'm gonna die never mind i'm having a nice risotto <laughs> that's right so i often make risotto in times of sadness because i'm thinking like oh that's happening but, oh, I could put some uh, gorgonzola in. Uh, you know, and it's all right. So I'd yeah, probably do nice. that. But yeah, scallops, definitely. Yeah. Mm. Um, big rare steak with loads of fat on it, I think, yeah, for the gorgeous. maid. Yeah. Dan's garlic butter from the orchard. Oops, yeah. Yeah. Um, mash and roast potatoes and yeah. a bit of potato gratin. Like a triple potato <laughs> yes. with a trifecta. Three uh, ways, good. Sour cream and chives. Oh, also baked potato. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Your last meal, just go out. Go out. Also, a little side of spaghetti carbonara. Oh couldn't, yes, couldn't oh, go gosh. without without that. 
And then for pudding, I'm not a big pudding You're person. not. You will always do a cheese board if okay. Ellie and I are, uh, do a lunch. Well, I, I can't say no to an eel flottant. If that's, oh, an oh, eel flottant, but it's such a magical thing. Um, Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. So, what, what do you think of the sort of how the food scene is now, Melissa? Like, how, for example, how much do you think there's a problem with diversity in terms of sexism and racism? Do you think things are getting better or, or worse? I mean, there are quite a lot of. I think there's sort of, yeah, there's a lot, like a lot more women, um, high-profile women than there used to be. Um, a lot of lesbians, actually. Um, I don't know whether that's just because that's my focus. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, there's fucking loads of lesbians. Um, You're being a bit so homonormative. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's like when you get a baby and you think, oh my god, everyone's going to pram. Yeah, yes, you know, like yes. you, you, you do. That's your world. So yeah. you, of course, like, but that's great because it, you know, beforehand, I, I don't know if I could name a high-profile lesbian chef that would be in the media or that sort of thing. So that's brilliant. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's quite good. And I, I think, obviously, kind of with everything that's happened in the last few months, with like Black Lives Matter, there's a lot more discussion about sort of race in food. And I think the media is trying to change. But then there's still, like, a lot of work to be done. There's still kind of a lot of spaces that seem to be quite quite white. And... Um, and lots of inter- interesting discussions like I mean there's you know like always discussions about appropriation I was talking to one of my mates actually who um she's been quite outspoken there's like a sort of a chef and who is white and um and cooks a lot of food from east and southeast asia and went from um sort of publishing a book went from sort of like like relative obscurity to publishing a book um quite quickly in a way that I don't think a person of colour like would would like have that trajectory um, and my friend who is Thai, Thai, Taiwanese um, she got a bit pissed off because this person had a recipe published in the magazine that was a Taiwanese recipe and that was based on a visit to Taiwan for like a couple of days and um, and for my friend Tiff like that kind of bothered her because she was like I would feel funny um, mm. being Taiwanese American like, I would be funny about putting a recipe to paper because like I feel like my my mum and like you know other people would just kind of kind of judge me and then yet yeah, this person is kind of you know just gone ahead and done it and um, and actually I think it says less about the individual than it says like a lot more about the system that enables people to go and publish recipes from like anywhere mm. based on having gone to visit there for a bit and it's not saying that people can't publish or you know cook the food of different cultures and different heritages but it's just like you have to put the work in you need to understand kind of like all the nuances mm. and and 
the history and be kind of respectful about it. And I think a lot of the time we see there isn't that respect. Mm. Um, yeah, there was a big furor last year or the year before about Jamie Oliver doing a, is it, how do you say, paella? Paella, paella. Um, recipe. And like the Spanish just kind of reacted like, mm. no, you can't put chorizo in it and you can't put mm. this in it. And, and you know, fair enough. That's their have dish. You Marco, have you seen Marco Pierre White's... Um, Jamaican chicken with no, rice no. and peas. <gasps> oh my oh, god, let me guess. Fucking uh, horrendous. Does he oh. marinate it in lilt? What? No, he doesn't marinate it in anything. Ah. He puts he puts um he puts chicken and does he cook does he cook the chicken in the rice with three fucking nor stock cubes? That is he, it he's got to deal with them yeah, 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 that's it for flavour. And do you know what he puts in his rice and peas? Right, so rice and peas is um it's normally like gungo peas or it's um uh, kidney peas and he puts garden peas and he's got the cheek to say yeah like back in, when I go to Jamaica this is what the locals feed me it's like fuck off do they yeah even I fucking know that and it's just you know like, and, and, but then that's the hypocrisy and I think you know there's like mm. a lot of learning for all of us to do because when the whole Jamie Oliver thing happened and I was like oh but you know like I like a bit of chorizo in my paella. And it's like, <laughs> I thought you were supposed to put it in my No, you don't. I've been so, miseducated this, by this, Jamie Oliver. I, I thought you put chorizo in as well. But then, yeah, but then that was my... I thought it was really interesting that you have social media now for that kind of response mm. and people could, could actually mm. feed back. And so I think the power is shifting. I think the audiences want more of an authentic... You know, we use this term authenticity... Um, but now we, we we can find it as you were saying like when you've highlighted things in your BBC um, article and things like that people want the real deal they do but I think too often um, the dominant voices um, are feeding this strip feeding this this idea of um, a cuisine that isn't yeah. true and, right, and so yeah. and, and a lot of people haven't got the inclination to go and seek out the, the authentic yeah. dish or the authentic version so they mm. just kind of get spoon fed this like this kind of creation I mean yeah. maybe it'd be better if Jamie Oliver actually said I don't like, like you know give it like a, a 60 seconds of, of a rundown of what, what paella is mm. and that normally it doesn't have chorizo in it um, but I'm going to deviate from off from that but there's, there's never any kind of um, what's the word when you um, reference something yeah uh, I think it's just reference credit like, yeah, or, yeah, yeah credit yeah, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, there's sort of no credit and, and this is I see this all the time it's like you didn't roll out of bed right and um, as like you know having grown up in Hertfordshire with like two English parents you didn't roll out of bed and just go oh I'm going to make this dish out of lamb with all these spices and I'm like what should I call it oh I might call it shawarma like you didn't fucking invent that yeah. so why don't you like talk about where you got your inspiration from but there's like loads of recipes being done with no kind of accreditation mm. and no context I guess is the yes yeah, yeah mm. massive so, lack of context so then how do you approach that and as a, as a food writer do, does, do you ever hesitate to write about to write a recipe from a certain culture or do you, is it more about presenting it as the same do, within do you know what I, I wouldn't like, like, I, I, I wouldn't like mm. when I was doing my pop up and I, my pop up was Japanese comfort food I got approached by a, a book agent um, to write a book about Japanese comfort food and we went for a coffee and she was quite, quite excited and she was very nice and she was like you know I think this would do really really well and then I, like, I probably should have emailed her and said actually this but I, I never I didn't want to out like say no to it like outright but at the same time I never followed it up because I was like I can't like I, I can't write a book about Japanese comfort food like I don't know enough about it it's like I, I kind of make food that tastes nice and that I kind of you know I have researched and I've been to Japan and stuff but I can't write a book about it like that's not my place and so if that for me is automatic like I don't understand why it's not for other people so I write recipes that either are influenced by something in which case I would reference them um or are based on like stuff that you know like that comes from sort of my heritage whether that's Jamaican or Maltese or I don't know like 
growing up near the sea or something like that. You know, I think if, um, yeah, if it's got a story to it, then then tell it. Like it, like, mm. like most recipes are ripped off from somewhere, I think. But then talk about that and mm. um, and what you've done to change it. Because mm. otherwise, it's just plagiarism. Yeah, because there's a big thing this week about talking about the origins of fish and chips, which is actually Portugal. And um, and how we claim that in the UK is like this is our national dish, but that's why yeah that's why London and England is an exciting place now because I think the UK especially now I'm a foreigner coming in in the last sort of fourteen years yeah well where's your fucking contribution <laughs> absolutely <laughs> where's your fish or chips absolutely <laughs> absolutely nothing but. The UK had a really bad reputation for food. Mm. London had a bad reputation for food. Up until only recently, I had a bad reputation with coffee and all sorts of stuff. But now it is this extraordinary and exciting place. We've got your pop-ups in so many markets. We've got a market down the road, the broccoli market and things like that. And that people are sort of gagging for really diverse cuisines and food. And they're excited about trying new things, which before... And I'm sure there are still people that just like their egg and chips or whatever... But that has really shifted, um, which is a kind of exciting place to be, really. Yeah, because yeah, I think all of that has kind of elevated all of the food scene. Whereas like mm. now, you know, you, like you have stuff like modern British cuisine, which I don't think 20 years ago you really would have had that. It's yeah. like I got bought um, a, a New York cookbook um, by an ex and I was like, well, what is that? Like, what is the food of New York and how can you put that into a book? And actually, it's just kind of picking bits from all over the world. Um, yeah. And it hasn't really got an identity. But I think British, British Britain has kind of got like its own food identity now, which kind of harks back, I guess, to the old like pie and mash, which is excellent. Well, look, food chat done. I think I so, Ellie. <laughs> yes. Shall we Shall we go into the scummy mummy confessions? Let's go. You look eager to, to, to go, Helen. Oh, I know. <laughs> I was eager to go. Now, um, we've touched on being uh, a lesbian and things like that, but my kids, uh, now that I'm a single person, want me to be uh, uh, with a woman. They've decided they would oh. like it. Yeah, the next person I, I I'm in a relationship they want to be a woman and they had a really good open chat uh, at Honorate Park Station the other day uh, very loudly while we are waiting for the train and everyone was standing around and my daughter says mummy are you a bisexual and that means that you like girls and boys I was like yes darling I know that <laughs> but you should you should be a bisexual mummy I was like oh, yes I'd love to be a bisexual <laughs> and then she's like Hugo are you bisexual and he's like I don't think I've decided yet but maybe I'm bisexual you should be bisexual Hugo Everyone should be bisexual. And I was like, ah. <laughs> hey, everyone. We're a really cool family. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so that's my scummy mummy confession. We're, we're right on. So oh, maybe, I like maybe I should. Maybe I should dip in, re-dip, go back to go <laughs> yeah. those things. Yes. Yes. Uh, I've, got, I've got a sequel confession oh, yes. for you. Last week was good. So last week, do you want to recap? So, so when we got back from a holiday, we had to quarantine for two weeks. So we got quite into putting like a telly on for the kids, putting the screens on and then just popping upstairs for a bit of afternoon delight. And then uh, one of them got wind of this. He came up one day and he was like, oh, uh, can you help me with the thing? And I was like, just having a nap. And then he was like, I know you're having sex. So that's the story <laughs> in a nutshell. Then after quarantine, we went to Wales to stay with my in-laws and we went out for the day and we came back sort of after lunch. And I said, uh, my father-in-law was, you know, there with the kids. And, and I said, um, oh, I'm just going to go upstairs for a nap. And Pete went, oh, yeah, no, me too, yeah. And Charlie went in front of my father-in-law, are you going to have sex? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, no, no. Ah. And then I just sort of went upstairs. And um, my parents-in-law were lovely, luckily. and like, But then Pete felt he had to explain to his father why our son made this connection <laughs> and I believe Jeff said right uh, 
Anyone want a cup of tea? And that was the end. It was never mentioned again. It will never mention again. No, never so, ever. Little, little sequel. It sounds like you have a very healthy um, relationship, though. Well, we're having a lovely nap time. Yes. <laughs> and we all need that, don't we? Yes. we yeah, need to, it's very we need important. Yes. yes. Uh, what about you, Minister? Have you got a Sorry, we've gone quite sexual uh, in hours. You don't have to talk about sex. We're not going to put any pressure on you. But surely there's been a food disaster somewhere along the way. Oh, surely God, okay, okay. I still need to deal with this, um, but... Let's do it publicly, then. So I... Yeah. <laughs> did you oh, accidentally God. spit in your kimchi? <laughs> <laughs> no. I know Kate's going to... She's like, Melissa, why did you say this? That's what she always says to me. Why, These why are the best confessions. Yeah, yeah good. So I went to... Um, I went somewhere locally. I won't say where it was, although I could, because they weren't unfold. And um, and I had um, huevos rancheros um, for lunch, and the um, the white of the egg over the oak like wasn't set properly, and um, and I oh, should have said I, 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 yeah. I really hate that. I should have just sent it back. Instead, I ate it. And I tried to like mix it in with the beans to try to get what? that residual heat to like cook that kind of <laughs> raw albumin. <laughs> and, um, and so I kind of ate it but like it sat in my stomach and I could feel it uh, and then I got home and then I just raced upstairs and we were staying with friends in Herne Hill and they've got a house that's got like quite a few stories I raced up and we were in the top flat and I um, just made it in time mm. to sit on the toilet get the bin upend it and then vomit oh. and have diarrhoea quite violently oh no and, um, and then um, later on that evening I thought I got it all out and mm. I was sitting in bed we had a mattress on the floor um, and I was sitting in bed and la 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 and I thought I would just fart a little bit oh no oh, no! so I farted oh, no. and um, I mean we all know what happened right and so I jumped up <laughs> and ran to the door and looked at Kate and she was like would you go to the toilet and I was like it's already too late and I <laughs> I, I, I did pointed, the bed <laughs> the bed and she and she had to deal with it because I obviously had to go she's back she's a doctor yeah. she's very yeah. no nonsense I'm sure you had a um, bloody baby for god's sake but then I, I basically wrote quite a strongly worded email to the cafe um, but it turns out it wasn't them because we'd gone to see our friends um, with their daughter and their daughter had the shit and they'd said to us oh like it's quite contagious because one of them had the shits as well oh, no. and I was like because I always think I'm like quite hard and I was like oh it's fine I've got a constitution of an ox and, um, and I didn't I, so I got it from them because it was quite classic vomiting and diarrhoea bug uh. that I picked up and I still haven't and, the, and the, the cafe were really nice and kind of gave me like a list of all their processes and stuff and they were like I'm really sorry this has happened like we don't think it's come from us and I still to this day haven't had the courage maybe I'll go and do it after this I'll go and email <laughs> them and just say like this thing that happened several months ago oh. um, when I shat the bed it, when I <laughs> If, if you want, I'll do it for you. I'll ring them up and tell them you're a terrible liar. And we'll go there and have the same dish and go, mmm, this is the most delicious dish we've ever had in our lives. Oh, Poor things. Yeah, oh, my stuff were quite bad. Oh, my God. We've all done it, I think. Well, not that specifically. I've, I've never written to a restaurant. No, I mean shitting the bed. Like, we've all oh, we yeah. had had an accident. Ellie did it, her parents-in-law, once. Did you? No, I wet the bed. Oh, I, I see. Didn't wet the, I had one of those dreams where you think they're on the toilet. Oh. And then... And it, I think it was only like the second time I'd stayed there. Like we weren't married or anything. I just, I was still a girlfriend and like, yeah, wet the bed like the second time you meet your mother-in-law. But as I say, she's lovely. So. And I spilled. And I yeah, spilled. And I like... took Helen there. She vomited all over the, their spare room. So. <laughs> Why? Oh, because oh. I drank all the wine. <laughs> drank all the wine. We ate all of the. Um, again, we'd only known each other a few months, yeah. and we um, we ate all the cheese. But we left, like, we did that thing when you're, I don't know if you do this, but when, when I'm drunk, I'm like, I don't want to be greasy, I don't want to be greasy, so I'll eat all this cheese, so eat all it. leave a bit, leave a bit, yeah, just yeah. don't. So we woke up in the morning, there was this cheese board with like six bits of rind, <laughs> with like teeth marks. And then all the wine had gone in their house, yeah. including the bottle of 
cooking wine. Oh God! Yeah, which I, I thought was just wine left over from dinner. Dinner, and Jeff was like, "Oh no, no, that's what Jean uses for the cooking. It's been there for six months." Uh, so we'd polished that off, and so. then I put it all over their ceiling, wall, and carpet. Was it? Was it? So there, was there red wine in there? Yeah, oh, only yeah. red wine. Oh. <laughs> so I'm just saying this to make you feel better. Thank you. As, as it's say, working. They're lovely, they're yeah. lovely people. Yeah. Um, yeah. Very so tolerant. Did, you, did your, what's your husband called? Pete. Pete. Did he take the um, rap for the the wee situation? No, I just I told her to okay. be honest. That's I was nice. just like, she's a nice woman, and you know she's Scottish. They're quite hardy. I think they can okay, take okay. it. Yeah. And I was just like, I'm really sorry. I'm really embarrassed. I have something to tell you. And I sort of had these sheets. You know, I stripped. Like the bed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> she was like, don't worry. It happens to everyone. Like it's fine. And yeah. she was lovely. And I think it was that point I decided to marry him. He's <laughs> a good guy. So yes, oh. we have all done it. Pete's done it a lot because, as I was telling you earlier, he's got a shellfish allergy. So uh, I always know he's better when he goes, "Oh, you don't know what it's like to be able to fart with confidence." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he's fine. Oh, dear. Well, there we go. Oh, my God. What a delicious podcast and a wonderful person. Thank you, Melissa Thompson, a.k.a. Foulmouth Foods, for being our guest. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Thank you for the lovely lunch. Oh, my God. Uh, I'm going to talk about that for days. Yeah, it's probably nearly tea time now if you want to make a sandwich. Anyway, um, <laughs> uh, where can people find find you on the internet? Um, they can find me um, at Foulmouth Foods. On, um, um, it's foul with a W. Mm-hmm. My website shit, so there's no point looking at that. Until I get it. <laughs> That's the most British plug. <laughs> shit, don't worry about it. I don't care. Yeah. I hate it. Really, it really is shit. I need to, I need to work on it. Um, and then obviously in BBC Good Food magazine. Yeah. Um, subscribe and then tell them that you subscribe because I'm writing for it. Yes. Um, um, we should flog our own thing, shouldn't we, Ellie? Go on then. We've got our own shop, scummymummyshop.com, and we're on tour. Go to scummymummies.com forward slash live shows for all those details. And yes, we'll be at the Clapham Grand on the 23rd and 24th of September. And I think this podcast goes out just before that. So, so if you're in London, come to the show. Yeah, we are doing shows again. We're back on the road and it's all socially distanced and all that. Everything's being safe. closed down, including us, before every performance. Exactly right. Um, so, yeah. And it's... we've got some Christmas shows booked in if yeah. the world's still okay. Uh, we'll be doing those. Yeah, it's going to be different. We don't really know what it's going to be like. Yeah. Um, but we're going to do our best. And if you want to come and support us, then we might make us cry. Still in print, uh, and do rate, review, and subscribe, and tell your friends to listen to the podcast. Yeah, nice. All done. Oh yes, I think so. I think thank so. You. Oh, thanks again, Melissa. Oh, amazing. No, thank thanks. you. Thanks for having me. I feel like we've covered most topics. I think so. Vomiting, so. <laughs> shitting, sex, IVF, and yeah. creme brulee. <laughs> <laughs> what more is there to life? I don't want to know. <laughs> <laughs> Until next time. Do you want me to go and turn the... Um, no, it's ambiance. It's no, ambience. no, it's Oh, okay, fine, yeah. okay. Um, what does ambiance mean? Oh, it's like atmosphere, isn't it? It's like oh, okay. it's just adding to the natural feeling. Okay. We're, just oh, we're in a domestic setting. Which we literally are. Yeah. Also, we just can't be bothered to worry about that shit. That's really <laughs> oh, that's fine. the truth. We usually yeah. have like planes going overhead, Ellie's son just shouting at us. I mean, yeah. Yeah. yeah, that was in the last one, wasn't yeah. it? Joe literally shouting out the window, you can't go to, you can't work, we've got to go to Wales. <laughs> so, I used to do a podcast with another company down in Brighton and, um, we used to hear the seagulls and then we moved offices and so there was no more seagull noises and people wrote in and complained. <laughs> they were like, Where's the have you shot all the seagulls? <laughs> so I can't bother to worry. Anyway, what okay. we're talking about. So yeah, having a baby. 
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.